Monday, February 6th, and this is Season 7, Episode 22 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Jeff. Hello. And Joe. Hello. Well, um, I think we got to start this podcast on um, some terrific news and uh, historic news. So, um, with the match that we're going to certainly go into in just a few minutes, uh, uh, with the one goal scored there, uh, Harry Kane uh, passed Jimmy Greaves at the all-time club record for goal scored at 267. Uh, so let's just talk about that for a little bit. And uh, uh, Did you guys ever think that you would see this? Do you think you'd live to see somebody break that record? Uh, Joe, go ahead. Um, no, to be honest, is the, is the pretty quick answer to that. No, I, I don't think so because, I mean, the number is is so massive, right? Two, 267 goals. So you've got to think, even if you played for 10 years, you've got to be getting almost 30 goals a season. That's like, especially in the modern game where players move clubs, you know, agents are trying to instigate moves. Clubs don't, players don't really have the loyalty to a single club. So no, I, I, I think it's a remarkable um, achievement and just a bit of a, a bit of a freak, to be honest, because like I say, players don't really hang around at clubs that long nowadays. And um, the consistency of Kane is just unbelievable. I know, I know we're all going to kind of eulogize a bit about Kane, but one thing I read today that I didn't, didn't realize is his worst season, his worst season, he scored 24 goals in all competitions. That's his worst season. Wow. So if you think, like, you know, if you get a player who scores 24 goals in all competitions, they're probably already worth, like, you know, 50 million or something straight off the bat for one one season. That's his worst. So full season, I should say, his worst full season. So that just shows to me the consistency is just incredible. And, uh, yeah, great, great achievement. And congrats to him. Well, and, and the fact that he did that, did that so many times w- with years where he missed like a month of play because of an injury or, or six weeks, like there, there were times that he went through significant injuries with those ankles and still came out and scored 30 goals in those, those, uh, those seasons. So yeah, it's, it, it's truly remarkable. I think Lucas, you had your hand up next. Yeah, you actually, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was going to say. It's uh, something that you just don't even think about is the fact that with those, he's got the dodgy ankles and it's been, he had tons of games that he missed over the years that he's still able to put up these freak numbers is just astounding. And I think one of the things that Joe talked about when, to answer your question, do I think I would have, did I ever expect to live through something like this? No, is the answer because as Joe alluded to, nobody has like that club loyalty anymore and you very rarely see a top, like a top caliber player staying at a club for a long enough duration where he can break a record like this. So I think that just is, uh, it's, it is just, it's a remarkable thing. And I can't, I can't say enough good things about the guy. And I think, I feel really grateful that we've actually gotten the opportunity to live through this as a fan. Um, That's not something I ever would have expected in my lifetime to see. Jeff. Yeah, and one more besides the injuries, don't forget Harry Kane can't score in August. So think of all those <laughs> yeah. Augusts where he gave up the whole month and didn't score any goals and still was tapping 30 goals. Um, so yeah, it's really remarkable. And it was funny, 
I don't know if, if you watched that 45-minute video that Spurs put out of every single one of his goals, but like a, you know, a lot of those goals, besides being scored against Leicester and having Ben Davis congratulate him, um, they were so consistent. Right. They were the same. He was always in certain positions, you know, and then he would strike really fast like a viper. I mean, um, just amazing how consistent the guy is. So do we think this means a, a, a statue at some point? Um, it would have to. Right. Um, and I'll let you tackle that. And you had something else you wanted to add, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think so, especially if he signs a new deal and uh I think he's probably got his eye on the Premier League record now, right? I think he's 60 goals. He's got 200 Premier League goals and the record's 260, I think. So, you know, maybe two, three seasons. Uh, could could get that. Um, but what I was going to say, Anthony, was just kind of building on what Jeff was saying because I did actually... I wasn't able to watch the whole 45-minute video because I had work to do, but I, I kind of flicked between it. And the thing that struck me, actually, Jeff, you said about consistent, I actually saw it a little bit different. Like the thing that struck me was the variety of goals, right? Like, I think if you if I said to the three of you now, like, what's the typical Harry Kane goal? You'd probably all come back with like different answers to that. And I think that's that's unbelievable to me, because when you think of Tottenham's other great strikers like you take someone like Gary Lineker, who was who was a brilliant player, scored a lot of goals for Spurs. But if you watched a compilation of his goals, you'd probably you'd probably fall asleep with respect to Lineker because he was just a poacher, pure poacher. All his goals were tap-ins, really. But Keynes, he's got like headers, left foot finishes with nice footwork, right foot outside the box. Like there's no it, there's so there's so much variety to his game. It's it's unbelievable. Um, I think that's what really stands him out, as well as the numbers, is the like just the the quali- all round quality that he's got, and he can score such different uh, types of goal. Well, and Joe, I think you uh, popped the question before the podcast that I think we certainly have to tackle. Uh, let's let's everybody answer. Uh, what's your favorite Harry Kane goal of all time? Uh, kind of t- tough to pick with so many, but, um, but, but, but what was your moment that th- this is your favorite goal and, and what's the reason why? Because, I mean, there are so many of them are pretty. Some of them are, um, uh, are unique, but, um, but uh, what, what speaks to you about the goal that you picked? Uh, let's uh, start with... Uh, 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 Lucas, you're ready? Yeah. I think for me, um, my favorite was probably the one where he scored against Arsenal, um, where it was like in like the 80 something minute and he popped up in the box and got his head to it and we won 2 1. Um, that was really just, that was at a time where that was kind of like his coming out season. So it was really for him to, that, that goal, it wasn't the most beautiful goal that he scored for us I mean you could say that the one that he scored with his like from that crazy angle against Arsenal like a year or two later was probably a more aesthetically pleasing goal but I think for that goal though the the first one that I was talking about it was just special because that was kind of his he was really putting his stamp on the North London Derby and putting his name on it and from then he went on to become the all-time leading goal scorer in that Derby so it's uh that would probably be mine yeah, good shout there. Um, if you guys aren't ready yet, I I can go. I do have mine. Oh, Joe, Joe, you, you both look ready, so I'll let you go first, Joe. 
to yours. Um, the one that Lucas alluded to, I have to say, because in the Atlantic bar, there's still a stain on the ceiling where the, <laughs> the goal against Arsenal from where my beer hit the hit the ceiling when he scored that one. The, the one where him and Deli Ali were in the corner and he, and he whipped it round. Um, because that's the first time in my life I've ever honestly thought Spurs were going to win the league. Is that second, that that like aftermath of that goal. Didn't last long because Arsenal equalised not long after. But yeah, for like a few minutes, I was like, we're going to win the league. And that was that was great, even if it didn't happen. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of them to go on, isn't there? So, but that one is, was was brilliant. Uh, Jeff, how about you? Yeah, um, since you had the Arsenal 2015, I was going to go, I'll go Everton, which I think was also 2015. If not, it was 2016. But it was the same thing, other side of the pitch. He was all the way over on the right-hand side and blasted it in from there somehow. Um, and you were talking, Joe, about the variety of his shots. And so the, those two, the Arsenal and Everton, really stood out to me because they were so different than the other ones. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm going to pick a weird one, but it, it has more to do with the, the day that it was than it, than the uh, goal itself. Um, so last match at White Hart Lane, like um, uh, it, it, fifth minute in, into the second half, um, Erickson kick, hooks the ball in uh, from a free kick and uh, – King gets the ball, makes Smalling look like a like a moron, and and puts the ball in the net, and uh, um, and we go on to win a match that we don't want to lose the last match uh, at at White Hart Lane, and we're playing a team that we do tend to struggle with. So it, for me, like the stepping up to the moment was huge, and that uh, that's what I really like about that that particular goal. Like he really like. We we got to go away celebrating that day, celebrating the end of an era at the at the stadium, and um, and that was a big part due to Harry Kane. Uh, so that one's mine. Um, uh, well, any other thoughts on Harry Kane before we kind of talk about this Manchester City match? Uh, go ahead, uh, Jeff. I guess it's a good thing he didn't go to Manchester City uh, a year ago, right? <laughs> because otherwise, oh, yeah. uh, we wouldn't be able to celebrate this moment. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, I don't think they were ever going to get the price that they were asking. I don't, I don't think it was as much. I think it was more the media uh, uh, created the situation where Kane, who was just trying to get some kind of assurances that there was... A, that we were going to move forward and win something, try and win something. Um, I, I, I think like we, it's easy to make him the villain of that story. Um, but I, everything else he's done since he's returned to play has been uh, stand up. Like I, I, I'm not going to allow that, that moment that all players go through. So take what, how I feel about the player. Uh, Joe. Yeah, real quick on that point, because that what you just said, Jeff, reminded me of, of that. I noticed when I watched all these goals, if, if you watch that video, it's very noticeable that in that season, he he barely celebrates when he scores. Like, you can kind of tell his body language, like, didn't seem right. Like, it, it was really, really noticeable when you see the goals back to back. Those, 
that particular season, he just looks like he scores and he's kind of not really, there's no smile like at all. You know, it's just, you can tell his head was, he was probably in a bit of a crossroads. I know his brother is, is, was his agent. I think maybe still is his agent and was, you know, probably trying to get a payday uh, as well. So I think a lot of circumstances came together then. And uh, he looks a lot happier now. You know, he looks more, whether he'll sign this new deal, obviously we've kind of speculated about that on this podcast, but he, he definitely looks a lot happier in his football. And I think that was just a bit of a, a, a rough time for him uh, overall. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's move this conversation along into uh, the match. So, um, I don't think a lot of us were super hopeful about this one, but we do always seem to step up the city, especially at home, um, which I guess raises the confidence level, but like the performance level really hasn't, um, uh, hasn't been there. So it's tough to convince yourself that we can handle a team like city, uh, even at our own place. Um, Conti was out hurt, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, Poro just, has just started training with the team, so we we were looking at you know staring down at Emerson Royal playing in again, who admittedly even before this match has been, had been playing pretty good the last couple of matches. Um, but uh, um, I don't know if any of us came in with the, that that day with feeling great, like the, the, this this was going to go our way today. Um, I don't think we had that feeling, but. Um, but I think what we ended up seeing ultimately was uh, the best who have the football I've seen all season from Spurs. Um, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, who wants to tackle first? Jeff. Yeah, I think the key was we only went up one nothing before half instead of two nothing, right? Because then we had to actually pay attention for the rest of the game instead of switching off like we apparently did last time. Um, yeah, I thought the team looked amazingly organized. Um, you know, they switched up tactics a little bit. You could tell that, you know, normally Dyer and Romero are popping up in near the opposition box and stuff. They weren't this time. Every, you know, they were staying back. Um, nobody was beating them deep, you know, on deep balls over the top this time or anything like that. Um, and it was just, yeah. The, the the whole team flowed well. The counterattacks were good. Um, uh, everybody, I would say, had a, a very good game of the starters. Yeah, it seems like a really good game plan that they had to, to handle City, um, which is impressed because we haven't seen a lot of variety from Spurs. Uh, maybe a little bit more defensive against the top team, but that's about it. Uh, Joe? The thing that I think was really important about this game is we, we haven't beaten a good team all season. Like, this is the first time we've beaten a big team. Um, no disrespect to Brighton, who are probably the, the highest team we've beaten, or maybe Fulham. I don't know who's above one another there, but Brighton or Fulham are the two best teams we've beaten, which, you know, in February, as Tottenham, it's pretty bad. I mean, every time we've had a big game, you know, Liverpool, City, uh, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, Chelsea... United, etc. We've we've not beaten any of those teams, so I think we were long overdue uh, a win like this. And um, I think you know, like Jeff alluded to, then the the change in kind of tactical um, emphasis. Like we were a lot more aggressive, weren't we? We weren't just like I think it's interesting. All three of our goals against City have come with us like pre actually pressing them, which we don't really do much as a team. Um, 
But by doing that, I think they, we kind of caught them out a little bit. Maybe they weren't expecting that um, aggression from us because we're just, we have been so passive, especially in the first half, as we know, uh, a lot of this season. Yeah, no, definitely good shouts there, uh, Lucas. Yeah, I think it was actually almost confusing to me when I was watching, like, we, when you watched, like, Royale play yesterday, it was so confusing that, like, he had this confidence and this drive, and obviously we know he's a, he's a poor right wing back, but he's a very good defensive right fullback. So in a game like this, I think he's more suited, or is, this is a game that was more suited to him and his skill set. And I think with him, there was a couple players where it's just, I'm using him as an example. It was confusing to watch how aggressive and confident they were trying to attack and take the game to City, where then you watch us. I'm, I'm looking at him like trying to take on these defenders and beat them to the end line. And I'm like, you couldn't do that against like Portsmouth at home, but you'll go <laughs> try and take on City. Like, I, I have no idea where this confidence comes when we get when we play Man City. But there's some reason that these guys just love this game and they love this fixture when they see it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think I want to go to our question, um, that, which comes from Shubes. Um, I'm going to try not to completely slaughter this question, so I apologize if I mispronounce things and everything. But uh, Shubes asks us, uh, not sure if Joe can watch Match of the Day 2. Were you able to watch that, Joe? Um, I, I mean, I... I... Caught a little bit of the analysis. I know, I know what he's referring to. So yeah, okay. I, I saw okay. that. Yeah, um, in the U.S. But now uh, Needham Ona uh, spoke about how out of possession Spurs pressed in a four-one-two-three. Um, Dyer uh, to to press City attacking midfield uh, allowed uh, PH so Hoybier to press higher, which led to the Rodrier. Uh, would you be more keen on this uh, uh, front-footing defending? So I guess it's mostly asking: Do, do we would we go with this defensive style more often? Uh, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's an interesting one because, like we just said, we've we've done well pressing against City uh, in the in the two games we played against them, but we can't really press as a team anymore like our, our front line's too old like we can't expect Kane and like Kane wasn't that good at pressing eight years ago he's not going to be good at it now that he's almost 30 Son is 30 you can't expect him to tear around the field pressing players it's just not the game of, of those guys but maybe what you can do is have like the question kind of hits on is have a defender come out and add a body in midfield and then one of the midfielders can can push up um and that's exactly what happened for the goal, wasn't it? Like, Dyer stepped out. He didn't go back in the back line. He stepped out and Hoybier pressed the midfield and won the ball um, in, in that area and, and then set Kane up. So, to answer the question, yes, I think that's great because, like we've we've kind of talked about on the podcast, like, we've just been boring watching Spurs a lot this season. We're too kind of, we just sit back. We just low block all the time, no energy. And I think having a defender do that and it was great yesterday. And uh, whether we can maintain that level of fitness with two games in a week, I don't know. It's quite demanding, isn't it? But maybe just these games against teams like City, we do take a few risks like that. 
I mean, it, obviously it w worked yesterday and like you said, Anthony, best game we've played all season, probably. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely up for more of that. Yeah, I, I would love to see them do a little bit more of this. Um, I I think uh, like Conte's system works best when it is very fluid, when uh, when uh, players can step out of their role into other ro roles. And, you know, we, we saw uh, the the wingbacks uh, swap sides in this match. Um, we haven't seen that since the beginning of the season, I think. Um, but yeah, this kind of jumping into the midfield, covering the midfield so the midfield can get f further forward. And it messes with them when they're used to not seeing much change out of us. Um, and I, I think um, maybe with Conte being out, it made it... Um, Maybe people weren't didn't really know what to expect, uh, um, and maybe it threw them off. Uh, off the we haven't been doing this all season, and now all of a sudden this is something that we've uh, put back into our game. Uh, Jeff. Well, plus that four and a half hour trip from Manchester to London was so tough, as Pep alluded to in the post game. Um, you know, so between that and us changing up tactics, I mean, it's no wonder. City got so amazingly frustrated, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did love. Uh, I think uh, Lucas, you mentioned uh, Emerson Royal, and um, did everybody see all the uh, th things like uh, out there on Twitter, like uh, what uh, Emerson Royal took out of his pocket uh, um, when he got home, and like uh, there's Jack Grealish uh, coming out of his pocket, which. Yeah, to to be able to hold down a player like Jack Grealish, he he really did have a great day, uh, Lucas. Yeah, and I th I think that um, it's good for him. I don't think it really changes much in terms of him going forward. With I, I mean, still when we play a game like next week against Leicester, it's going to be we're going to have a lot more of the ball, and we're going to be asking him to do a much different role than he was asked to do yesterday. That was something that yesterday was a game that fit well into his comfort zone um so i don't think it's going to be we're going to see like this isn't some new renaissance of like a royale going forward um but it is nice to see from at least a confidence perspective that he's able to get some of these accolades and all the stuff being said about him on social media it's really nice because i mean he is somebody that is usually getting just slated left right and center so it is nice for him and his confidence to have at least for a day have everyone kind of be in your corner and he's a likable guy too, and that's oh, absolutely, yeah. and fans have not treated him well, most mostly based off of performances that they've seen. But still, it's fans have been pretty unkind to the guy. So go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say the other great thing about it is that this is how he responded to Pedro Porro joining the team, right? He put out, you know, he was excellent against City in the last matchup, and he was even better this time. And that's what we need. We need competition at spots. You know, these. You know, right wing backs are going to have to rotate. You're not going to, Poro isn't going to start every match for the rest of the time. You're going to have to rely on him and Royale and probably subs, you know, in the 70th, 80th minute between them too. So the more they push each other to be better, you know, the better it is for us. You know, we didn't have this when it was Doherty and Royale, and apparently we're starting to get it now. So this is a great development for us, I think. Let's uh, talk a little bit about some of our other defenders. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, 
Cuddy uh, Ramiro, he he um, got up, uh, and I don't have the exact minute in front of me, but uh, pretty early in the match, I want to say around 15, he he did get his first yellow card, which I think was kind of a pretty dumb uh, ball to go in on where it was at in the field. Like, it, it was it was completely unnecessary. Um, but we have seen him get a lot of yellow cards early in matches, and he he. He he stays cool, keeps his cool the rest of the match and uh, makes it out of the match without um, without kind of that um, mistake that we we kind of know that he's good for at least one a match, um, but not this time. Um, and we did get that late um, uh, second yellow card, which some said could have been a straight red, um, and he he got sent off and. Um, um, for the second time since he's been with us, but the first time in the Premier League. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on his performance today? Uh, Joe? So, I watched um, I watched a game not long ago. It must have been about a month ago. And it was Everton against Manchester City. And as we know, Everton are terrible. And um, they were at Manchester City. And something interesting happened. The the I think he plays right back for Everton. Um, Godfrey, his name Ben Godfrey. This guy is a he's a bit of a thug. He's a bit of a no nonsense old school defender. And he went after Haaland like straight away. He took him out after like ten minutes. And the rest of the game, Haaland was like basically trying to retaliate against Godfrey. But also his game was totally off. You know we've seen how brilliant Haaland is, you know, we can score a hat-trick without, you know, breaking sweat. And in that game, he did very, very little. And I remember thinking, that's interesting because I don't think, because he's so big and strong and, you know, he can handle himself. Defenders haven't really tried winding him up or taking him on that way. And I honestly think, you're right, Anthony, it was a ridiculous challenge that he put in. It was absolutely madness to get that yellow card. But a bit of me was thinking, I think that was, I think he had it in his mind. He's just going to go through him and just do it in the first half because you're not going to get a red card and just take him out with a stupid challenge. Because Haaland did absolutely nothing after that. He touched the ball in our area zero times. And I'm not saying that's definitely down to Romero giving him a whack. But I, I honestly think that might have made a difference. And... Of, yeah, like, listen, I'm not saying, hey, go out, kick people. That's not, you know, that's not what we're about. But um, it's it's an interesting one. I, I don't know if there was it something behind it. He does seem to be like that kid in the schoolyard that always, like, is uh, going through people. You know, um, he just wants to hurt some, hurt people, it feels like. But, he knows, but he, he's smart with it, though, Anthony. Think of the World Cup final. Mbappe... Like Romero did an incredible job. I know Mbappe obviously was <laughs> scored a hat trick in the final, but whenever Romero was near him, he didn't get past him. And Romero tried to uh, injure him at least twice, from what I remember. Like Romero, um, he knows his limits. He he really tests that like per threshold of what he can get away with. And he seems he's this is first like you said, first Premier League red card after two years. So it's not like he's doing this every other week. He just he is. A danger, but he's a brilliant defender. His game was excellent. You know, I'll let others talk to that, but I, I do think there's a bit of a calculated edge to it. It's not just that he's a madman, you know. Well, and Leicester probably is a game that we can afford to uh, um, to, to not have him. 
Um, it's not like he's taking himself out for one of the most important matches of the year. It's not like the North London Derby's coming up or something like that. So, yeah, there there is a case to be made. And I could see that because Holland was was non-existent in this match. And c- could it be because of that, of that play? And that was just a savvy move. Um, maybe not the justifiable thing. But, yeah, good shout there, Joe. Um, uh, any other... Um, we we haven't really talked about the the Harry Kane goal in this one. We've talked about that it was the record, um, but uh, what did you guys think? Uh, the uh, for the only goal that we got um, the the build up. Uh, uh, well, we did talk about Hoybier uh, getting forward. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I mean it was similar to what happened in the first half with City. Um, you know, at their place where, you know, we, we pressed and, you know, their defense made mistakes. Um, you know, this time, you know, everybody pressing allowed Hoiberg to get forward and sneak up and steal the ball, get it out to Kane before he went over and then Kane buried it. And it turns out that was the only goal we were able to put in. Poor, you know, Royale set him up um, on a plate in the second half to put a second one in, and uncharacteristically, he missed that one. But um, it was the same kind of thing. I mean, all three goals against City in this season series were that way. You know, we pressed their defense into a big mistake and capitalized on it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, certainly what we're we're seeing and. Yeah, and going back to Shub's question, I think we want to see more of uh, of that, especially if it gets results. Um, how about we go to MVP on this one? Um, let's uh, let's start. I think uh, we haven't heard from Lucas in a while, so let's start with Lucas. My my MVP this week. Um, there's a lot of guys you could give it to, but mine's actually going to be Hoyt Bear. I thought um, the way he played yesterday, we just touched on it. He had that great ability to press and cause a mistake at the back there that got us our goal, but um, Hoybier, I thought he and Benson Corps were flying around. They were all over the place yesterday. So um, I think Benson Corps deserves a quick shout. But um, yeah, Hoybier was mine. I thought he was incredible, and I really hope we can see that from him going forward. If that becomes an, if that becomes his new way of playing every day, I'm more than okay with it. Yeah, both midfielders were fantastic. Good point there. Uh, um, um, Jeff, let's go to you next. Um, I do want to give Hoiber credit for knowing when to go down and play dead. Most hilariously, um, when he was in the wall defending that free kick where um, he didn't even get touched by the ball and then put his hand to the wrong side of his head where the ball wouldn't have been anyway and, and collapsing. That just kind of seemed to take the, the rest of it out of City. Uh, but my man of the match was uh, Royale. Um, just like in the first city match, I, I don't know what it is about city, but he really comes up big. Um, like you were saying, Anthony, the, all the jokes about how he just completely owing, uh, you know, owned Jack Grealish through the whole game. Um, and he just looked like a complete, complete player too. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Joe, uh, who do you have? Yep. Gonna echo Jeff there. Emerson was, was immense. I think, it's been on. He's been unlucky, you know. He's he's been asked to play in an unfamiliar role as a wing back, and he's never a wing back in a million years. But he's a he's a good right back. He's a good defender. He's a committed player. Like even you guys touched on, like the criticism is hard, and you know, getting a rough ride off the fans. But 
I don't think anyone could ever say that he's lazy or that he's not got the right attitude. I think it's just that he's been asked to play a role that's not suited to him. So I, you know, I'm really glad that um, he had a, a, a good game and that he got a really good reception from the fans. That, that was great. Um, so I'm going to agree, Emerson. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you guys. Um, though I, I like Lucas, your case for Hoybier is really good. And he's somebody I've been critical of. Like, just uh, there, there's many days that I just feel like he's, um, he just doesn't have the skill set of a complete player. Like, I, I think he's a great player to have. He's a workhorse, um, I, he's really likable. But then there's days like this where, like, yeah, he he pulls out the dark arts and uh, and, and, and and just shit houses and does all the things that we used to love Lamella for, um, and then also plays a, a you know a great ball like and contributes to a goal. And we've seen him score quite a few goals from the midfield this season. It's getting tougher to argue that he's not the right player um, uh, for our midfield. Um, and it might be just because he's not like a like a nine or ten in any skill set, but he's kind of like a nice seven and a half to eight in a lot of skill sets, and that's uh, that's something. Um, Lucas, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, no. Um, when you mentioned the thing with the dark arts, that's something that's really important, um, and that's it. Really, is something that separates the teams that know how to win from the teams that don't is the ability to do some of those little things. And it reminded me. We were talking about some of it was a bit of shit housing, but it reminded me of when we played City in the second leg in the Champions League, and Sissoko like tore his hamstring in like the tenth minute, but ended up staying in for like the next thirty or so minutes. And every time that City would build some momentum, Sissoko would just drop and hold his hamstring and be laying on the floor for five minutes and break up the City momentum. And then City would start getting some possession and momentum back up, and Sissoko would drop again and limp around for a while. It's it's it it pretty it pretty much got us into that half and pretty much got us over the line eventually. So those types of shit housing or something that is the dark arts is really really important. And I think when we've seen over the last couple of years that we've actually had players be able to start developing those skills. Good job there. Uh, this one might be a little bit tougher. We might not have anybody, or it might not be fair, but um, does anybody have an LVP for this match? Uh, the, the, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'll, I'll say just the shout. I mean, if I got to be picky, I would say Romero just for the the dumb challenge and the getting the red card. But uh, it, 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 it feels a little harsh because he also did play a very, very good game. And I don't think – I think that was our best team performance of the season. So – I, I don't think anyone really deserves any harsh criticism yesterday. But if yeah, I had I, to pick, I would give it to the guy that got a red card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get, getting a red card is probably the easiest uh, pick, and that's who I had in mind as well uh, for very similar reasons that you have. Um, now, it would be a very clear LVP if um, if it had cost us uh, the, uh, the win. Uh, but, but since it didn't, we were able to hold on. Um, I think the right subs were made at the right time here. Um, uh, it's tough to give it to him, but, um, but it's still something we have to watch going forward. Uh, we just want to see a little bit more discipline, I think, out of him. Um, but can I, I can kind of understand uh, Joe's point, too, why he had jumped in at the time he did to really to make a statement early on. 
um, and never figured he was going to get that second card later on. Um, well, uh, one more topic before we go to half. I just want to have a brief conversation today. So we're on the topic of City, and um, and we got to um, I not really embarrass City, but but defeat City at our home um, and keep them scratching their heads, figuring out why they can't seem to beat us there at, at this point when they can beat just about everybody at uh, at some point. Um, but they had a bit of news that came out uh, that we woke up to here in the, to here in the United States this morning. That, that's uh, a little bit bad news for them, I think. Uh, and Jeff, I'm gonna like you've I think done the the most research into this, uh, read the most. So I'm gonna let you tackle this first. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. The Premier League just kind of nonchalantly tossed it out there on their website this morning before everybody realized what it was. And then it spread through wildfire. Even the New York Times was <laughs> was uh, posting it. But basically, the Premier League has decided that Manchester City has run afoul of the Premier League's version of financial fair play. And... Um, you know, is sending over a hundred charges, apparently going way back to like 2010, um, off to a special commission to investigate and come down with a judgment. And the difference when, um, you know, UEFA brought them up on charges was that they went to that court of appeal who decided that, oh, some of the evidence was more than five years old and they had a five-year statute of limitations. And they never, since they couldn't admit all that, they never even went further to determine if any of the other stuff was true. That's not going to be the case this time. Uh, Manchester City does not get to appeal the decision of the commission. So whatever they say goes, and there's all kinds of like really punitive member uh, measures that the Premier League can take up to and including expulsion, which I don't think anybody believes is really going to happen. But yeah, this could be like what happened with the Serie A decided to do to UV. You know, they could get a serious points deduction and probably some people lose their jobs, some uh, fines and everything. It seems like ever since the Super League collapsed, um, the leagues feel much, much bolder now to go after um clubs whereas before they were afraid to do it because they didn't want to push them into going into breakaway things but now that the courts and the court of public opinion and government has turned against the big clubs doing anything like that everybody feels seems to feel like now they can um you know start punishing clubs when they go astray yeah well and it's weird to me like that because we were talking about nine years of this that's going on like a point deduction this year uh, would be a just uh, would that be like a a comparable um, penalty? That seems that seems weird to me. I mean, also I've you know I've, I've heard like that they're going to take trophies away. Um, I don't know how that seems a little bit far fetched to me. It, cert- it would certainly be funny if it happened. Uh, uh, it would be fun for us as fans to troll them, especially. Um, if it was a trophy that they beat us in, um, w- whether we actually get that trophy or not. Nah. <laughs> yeah, they should. Ha- they should have to drive, drive over, to drive down to London and give us our league cup, hand the league cup personally to Ryan Mason and say, "Here you go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Ryan Mason's still here to to receive it. So, uh, so yeah, uh, but um, I I don't see that happening. But it's funny to think about, and and I want there to be consequences for for these types of bad acts, even if it, our club 
found itself in the position where they had made some bad acts. I don't believe for a second that Levy makes those mistakes financially, but um, the um, but I I I would want to be punished as well if like we were doing this because it does kind of take the fun out of the game some. So Joe, I've been stepping all over you. Like I think you wanted to jump in there. No, I I agree with you 100%. It's I mean, I've always been of the attitude that the city the whole thing since the new owners came in in 2008 is just a joke. I mean, I I honestly don't like anything they have won, not just because of these revelations today, but because we've all known this. This isn't a surprise. We've all known that they've sponsored themselves. They've overinflated the market value of like their sponsorship deals so they've got more transfer funds. I mean, it's really not rocket science what they've been doing. You know, they've just been uh, evading financial fair fair play in, in like different ways. And they've always been doing this. So like whenever City wins something, I'm always just like, oh, well, you know what? They're just a bit of a joke anyway. I'm glad it wasn't Chelsea or United or someone that I like actually like really hate. <laughs> City are just a, they're just a joke entity. They're just like this, like, kind of monstrous thing that you can't really take too seriously. And, um, you know, Jeff mentioned Juventus then um, about their 15-point deduction. Well, 20 years ago, or less than 20 years ago, I think it was 2004, maybe, five, uh, Juve got, Juve are a much bigger club than Manchester City. I don't think anyone can dispute that. And Juve got relegated. They kicked Juve out the Serie A and they took away at least two of their league titles. I don't remember exactly all the stuff that they'd won in that period. And if you look back in history books now, those two leagues are just like, there's no winner. It was just like, it, it's it's empty. And if they can do it to Juve, like Manchester City are a much smaller club than Juve. So, you know, the league's been investigating, the Premier League have been investigating City for four years. This has taken four years. They've not just decided overnight to look into it. It's just been a very, very, very slow process. So, uh, yeah, I think to Jeff's point, like the, there's no written, de- like definitive guideline of like if you do X, then the punishment is you know this. It's like they kind of they've got ultimate power, the Premier League. So if they want to relegate City, they they can do it. Like there's 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 nothing that's going to stop that if that's what they want to do. Well, and that would be great to see, but um, also I. I I hate to say it, the, the, it's the team that has the best chance of chasing down Arsenal this season. If this is <laughs> yeah, exactly not this season, do we really want that to happen? Um, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, that that's totally the first thing that I thought of as well. I'm like, of course that I couldn't think of anything spursier than the fact that Arsenal's going to win the league on the one year that City finally gets punished. It's like that just has us written all over it. That would happen to us, but. There's two things. The first thing is I was really surprised when I heard this um, today because I, I just I just kind of assumed that the Premier League was never going to do anything about it. Like Joe mentioned, this isn't new. This isn't brand new, shocking news that Man City's been doing this. We've known that they've been doing this for ten years, and so it, it just I assumed that it was never going to be like they were never going to get called up on it. So I just was really stunned when I saw that. And the other thing is. It has to be something like whatever penalty and fines they get. It can't be financial. It can't be a 
you actually have to, if you want to deter this from happening in the future, you have to actually hit them where it counts and have to, whether that be you get relegated or you start next season with a 20 point deduction or something, or you get banned from being in cup finals or you get banned from being in champions league or something like you have to take a really heavy stance on this. And the punishment has to be severe enough that it, it acts as a deterrent in the future. Otherwise like Newcastle's on the verge, they're just going to probably be Newcastle probably has just been seeing what city's been doing now that they have all the money, they're going to just continue on and use what city did as like a roadmap for themselves. So there's, there has to be a big punishment handed down to city and it can't be like, Oh, we're, we find you a hundred million dollars because that's a drop in the bucket to them. It's not not going to actually deter them from or deter other teams from taking this approach in the future. Well, now didn't Pep say that he would leave if there was uh, financial crimes being uh, uh, had at, at City? Wasn't that something a statement that he had made? Uh, and I think that was probably when FIFA was investigating them. But um, I'm shocked, shocked to <laughs> discover gambling is going on. <laughs> Yeah. But um, but yeah, <laughs> it's certainly so, uh, something to watch. It's uh, it, I think we all want to see um, the, the league actually take a stance on this, so maybe it doesn't become such a um, like an unbalanced league in the future. Like the the financial fair play will will at least keep teams in the hunt, so we can have a competitive league. Um, I, I think that would be huge if uh, if that's the result of this more than anything that happens to the city, particularly if if we get a a more equalized league where a you know, more competitive league, that would be uh, great for the sport and great for the Premier League. Um, well, I think this is a, probably a good place to go to half. Um, in the second half, we are going to uh, talk about some of our um, uh, players loaned out the last day. Um, and kind of the Doherty situation that came up. Um, we didn't talk about those because they came up after um, our last episode. Um, so we'll t- touch base on those, and then uh, we'll preview both the Leicester City game and then the Champions League game against AC Milan. Uh, but first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. Luke's Locks! All right, all right. Let's get some money here. First up this week is going to be an over bet. We're going to take over two and a half goals in Arsenal at home to Brentford. Uh, Arsenal's coming off the back of a tough loss away to Everton. Um, They've been really strong at home this season and will be looking to bounce back and score some goals. Brentford, good side themselves, is always capable of scoring a goal or two. So the play here is going to be over two and a half goals in this one. Next up, a positive bet for us. uh, It's going to be that Spurs... Or minus a half goal on the road at Leicester. Uh, we're going to take, I think we're going to see a very confident Spurs side after winning their last three on the bounce. Leicester is a team that we've had success about, or success uh, going to play away, and Harry Kane loves nothing more than scoring against Leicester. So I think we'll have a lot of possession and we'll get the three points. So take Spurs minus a half goal. Third and finally this week is going to be Newcastle minus a half goal away at Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth's currently sit 19th on the table and will likely probably get relegated this season. Newcastle will be looking to bounce back after their frustrating 1-1 draw with West Ham, and there's no better team to bounce back against than Bournemouth. So this one's a no-brainer. Take Newcastle minus a half goal on the road. There you have it. There's your free locks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks as always, Lucas. Uh, Maybe I'll put some money on this time. Um, 
Well, I want to roll into um, the end of the transfer window. So I know uh, my prediction uh, that we were going to make one final move uh, before the end of the window uh, did not happen. Um, but uh, that we did get the poro across the line, um, which was uh, which was key. Uh, but there was also some other outgoing players uh, and more loans. Um, so uh, Jed Spence. Um, uh, I think we knew that it was most likely happening, but it was finalized. He he did go to Wren, uh, which again I don't know why we um, we like to help that club out so much, but um, but I know he clearly wanted to um, to go there because he would be um, they had an injury and he would be able to step right into the team. So he's going to get meaningful minutes there, which is good. I'm sure John will fill us in later in the season on how he's doing there. Um, um, and then um, uh, Brian Hill, who we'd started to see some good things out of, um, um, had started to put together some decent performances. Um, he did uh, go out on loan as well. And uh, it was, uh, he, he really wanted to go back to Spain. Um, but it's kind of sad to see him go a little bit because we were, we're starting to see things out of him. And you kind of want to see him play in the Premier League. Uh, which kind of leads me into the the one that I think we're, we're going to spend the time talking about. Um, so uh, Doherty. So we um, uh, deadline day we we announced that Doherty is going to be um, going out on loan to Atletico. Um, and uh, everyone's like, oh, okay, uh, I don't, you know, we we already loaned out a wing back, uh, a right wing back. Uh, but poor is definitely coming in, so okay. Uh, if he's not going to be used, let's uh, let's get him someplace where he, he, he can play. And then as the day goes on, we find out like, well, no, we're just going to have to cut him loose on a free because of uh, a, a pretty big club error. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Jeff, you want to tackle that first? Yeah. Uh, well, let me jump back to Hill for just a minute. I thought that one was really disappointing, that loan. Um, I mean, we bought him from Sevilla and we've loaned him back there twice already. Plus we gave them Lamella. So, you know, I still think Hill will come good, but, you know, good Lord. Uh, I mean, are, are we just subsidizing Sevilla at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, Lucas, you'll totally disagree with me, but what the heck, Lucas Mora is leaving in the summer. We're not renewing his contract, and he's been out injured all year. Why not just buy him out and keep Hill? Doesn't make any sense. How's he? How's Hill going to adjust to the physicality of the Premier League in Spain? Um, but on the Doherty thing, that one was really disturbing because the club tried to spin it. I mean, Paradici spun it, but all the reporters were like, no, this was a screw up, right? Somebody didn't realize that the loan rules had changed and internationally could only have eight players out on loan. So they had, yeah, they had to pay off a year and a half of his salary, I believe, right, to get him out of his contract um, and uh, send him along. And he's only going to be at Atletico till the end of the year. So it's like a prove it uh deal for him uh whether he gets to go back there or not but wow i mean that just makes us look super incompetent um it's not, not a very i started to worry about the poro thing after that because it just that, that's not a good look look for like one of the top 10 clubs in the world not to know the rules apparently 
Yeah, that's what's most concerning. I mean, Doherty leaving is not that big of a deal. Um, but leaving without getting anything out of him and because you made a mistake on the rule, that's unforgivable. Um, Joe? Yeah, totally. I mean, you guys pretty much nailed it. I mean, it's 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 mind-blowing that that can happen. Like, it, like you said, like the ninth richest club in the world and what they don't know how many loans they've got out at any given time. I mean, like, it, it's hard to, like, even get your head around it, but this is the result of just having a absolutely incoherent strategy with transfers. You know, we've had this thing, and look, this goes back, guys, this goes back 20 years, like, I almost, like, since Levy's own, since Enoch have owned Tottenham, it's been like this. I think the first, he started bringing in the transfer window around 2002 or something like that. I can remember as signing Raziak, if that's the name Lucas will know, in like 2000. This guy was a total no-hoper. Like He's renowned as one of the worst signings. We signed him at like midnight on deadline day, and that was in 2005. This has been going on for almost 20 years, this, this haphazard, like just kind of scattergun approach transfers. And... The whole Poro thing, look, I get we wanted to negotiate a better deal, leave it late, whatever, whatever. But as you guys have just said, we've just given away, not even get like we've had to pay off 18 months for an international fullback. Like no one's saying that Matt Doherty is Cafu or, you know, even Gary Neville. He's not the world's greatest fullback, but he's a good player. Atletico Madrid wouldn't want him if he was not a good player. They're a, they're a good team. This is a absolute disaster. I, I think this is horrendous. And just one final thing I'll say on it is I you can't think how other players perceive this. Kane is best friends with Matt Doherty. Like we talk about, we've already eulogized over Kane, talked about his loyalty and, you know, he's been at Tottenham such a long time. How does he feel seeing his friend who's done nothing wrong, just get thrown, binned off by an admin mistake on the last hour of the deadline. I mean, it's an absolute farce of a situation, in, in, I think. Well, and especially when you could have lo- loaned him to a Premier League team <laughs> that w- probably would have wanted a, a, a wing back with experience in the league and would use him um, just as much as Atletico will use him. Um, and it wouldn't have uh, applied to the rules. So if you just know the, the rule, like, why, why are you sending him internationally then? Like, uh, or... or keep Jed Spence uh, domestic and, and send Doherty off. Uh, like there was any number of ways that this could have been avoided. Um, and it really is a lot of egg on her face, right, Lucas? Yeah. And I, I think it is disappointing too, because for all of the reasons you guys just said, but Joe's right. It, this is the stuff that can happen when you leave it to the last minute. And that's exactly what we do that we do time and time again. It frustrates the life out of all of us. We're watching other teams get all of their business done in January within the first week. And here we are leaving things to the very last possible second. And something like this falls through the cracks and we end up with a lot of egg on our face, like you said. So I think it's really disappointing because I, I think we all really like Doherty. I think we think he's going to he's given a lot of effort and worked his ass off for the club. And to see him just like binned off like that because of, like Joe said, an admin mistake is uh it's really just disappointing from every way you slice it. But I think, yeah, the thing, the thing I would say that was probably just as disappointing for me was just, I, I really hoped that Spence was going to get a loan in, uh, in the premier league 
so he could start getting like there's got to be some teams on the lower side of the Premier League table that could use a right wing back of some. I I got to think that he, it would be much more beneficial for him to be getting Premier League minutes than playing out in France. And I think that's what Jeff kind of said that was also disappointing with the Brian Hill move is he's not going to learn how to play in the Premier League and adapt to the physicality that we need to see from him. Like, you're not going to learn that playing out in Spain. So I, I think it's it's really disappointing that we weren't able to get some of these guys what would be more productive loans that could help us. I think by sending Hill off to Sevilla, I think it's kind of one of those I think that's probably the end of it for him. I think this is probably, he's not going to be uh, part of our future plans anymore, but which is disappointing, but um, hopefully we he can do well there. To, we still might be able to sell him for good money. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I hopefully mean, he it can might do not well be a bad and, financial decision, but you were yeah. starting to see the end of uh, uh, whether he could actually contribute to the club when he was actually starting to show that he could contribute to the club. Um, yeah, that he was a player that looks like the, maybe he could adjust to the league, but, and I understand he's unhappy and that has to come into play too. But, uh, but yeah, the, it was kind of a disappointing way that uh, this window ended after the joy of finally getting Poro across the line and the way that all went down with the roller coaster that was, that we talked about last week. And then this, this shit show at the end of the uh, <laughs> end of the window, it just kind of, uh, um, led a lot of fans to uh, be ready to protest in the street, um, which um, I don't know uh, where you guys would fall on that. Like if you were living in London, would you be out in the street with a sign? Uh, do you think that, do you guys think that's productive? Uh, yeah. Joe? It's that's a, that's a good question. I, I think it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because like, I think we all agree we needed a center back going into this window you know like we were just chatting in the break and saying if we don't make top top four this year it's such a missed opportunity because Liverpool and Chelsea have both had a an off year and we've still currently are outside the top four even with those two two teams out of the equation and we're always like a player or two short right it's like yes great we brought in a right back but we've also need a centre-back like we didn't seemingly really really go for a centre-back and you see other teams I'm not even going to use Chelsea as an example because they're ridiculous and I don't know how that's allowed for them to spend 300 million or whatever it was they spent in January. I don't it's, it's a, let's like not even include them but other teams just seem to be better at getting their their targets and we're always like a player or two behind and I think for the fans Anthony to answer your question a bit more specifically I think the frustration is and you guys know because you've been to London and watched the the team like it's top dollar right it's like watching Tottenham is very expensive those fans that go every week are paying a, a lot of money compared to what the rival teams pay right like more successful teams are, are paying less than our fans so a lot of that comes into it right it's like well we're paying all this money where where's the the spend so whether I would join the protest I don't really maybe but I certainly understand the frustration yeah, no, that certainly makes uh, – you can see where the supporters' trust is coming from in that. Uh, Jeff? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, that whole brouhaha between the supporters' trust and the club. After the transfer window closed, the club answered their questions much in the way you would expect them to answer. And, you know, primarily talking about the, you know, financial improvements with the club. Um 
And yeah, you know, they just just briefly saying that yeah, their goal is always to compete for the top four and to uh, and to win meaningful uh, awards. I believe they said yeah, nothing specific. Um, so I, I does it does it matter to join the protests? I don't know. I suppose if everybody does, I mean, would that really force Enoch to sell? Um, yeah, I don't know how how big. Um, an effect it would have, but yeah, obviously people are getting kind of tired of, and the, you know, this whole Doherty thing is another bad reflection on, you know, the way the club is run. No, definitely without a doubt. Uh, Lucas, did you have anything to add here before we move the conversation along? No, I just, I agree. I think that I, I, it's easy to see where the frustration comes from and it's, it's something has to change the way, something has to change the way we, in which we do business. Um, because uh, until then you look at like now it isn't just going to be the big six anymore. Now Newcastle is going to be fighting for a top four speed spot every year now from going forward. And so the more teams that, like, unless you start spending the way that some of these other big clubs spend and do business the way that they do business, you're going to get left behind. And I think we all kind of know that. And that's where the frustration comes from. It's, um, something has to change and, time and time again we just don't seem to be seeing it so let's hope it's different in the summer yeah no definitely looks something's got to give and maybe it's eventually the the club does sell at least uh um partial uh ownership um get, we get a little influx of money but i hope it's not something that leads us down like a city path that uh that's corrupt and um taking advantage i still would like to be financially responsible like an injection of money would certainly not hurt. Um, well, um, good conversation all around, but let's uh, preview these two upcoming matches. So um, the the first one is coming up this uh, Saturday, uh, February 11th at 9 a.m. here in Chicago. Um, uh, so currently uh, um, Leicester City, which is, is a way fixture, it, um, is sitting in uh 14th place that's uh with 21 points six wins three draws and 12 losses um they did um uh, uh win away to villa 4-2 this past weekend um they did uh win in the f in advance in the fa cup uh, um and draw brighton prior to that and then a couple losses come up before that madison is their top goal scorer right now with eight barnes is pretty close behind him with seven um, and Madison's pretty much across the board, like uh, the, their best performing player right now. Um, we've, we've beat them the last four times that we faced Leicester City. Um, we have to go back to December of 2020 uh, to, to hit a law the last time that we lost to them. So uh, even though we can kind of remember a time when Leicester gave us a lot of trouble, it hasn't been recently. Um, given their Current performance, how are you guys feeling about this uh, Leicester City match? Uh, Lucas? Well, I'd feel better if we had Bergvine still, but um, I think <laughs> with these guys, it's with, with Leicester, it's it's not as if you, you know where their goals are going to come from or you know where their their strengths are. They're not, they're not going to have somebody pop up with some brilliant performance and you say, where the hell did this guy come from? Like, it's going to be coming from Madison. It's going to be coming from... Vardy, it's going to be, 
it's not rocket science when you play a team like this. You just have to try and keep a big thing is try and keep them away from threatening set pieces in our final third. That'll be a big one that they use a lot to create. But this hasn't been a team that's been doing well this season until I think this past weekend they just beat Villa 4-2. And that was the last time I remember – I can't remember the last time I that Leicester had scored three, even three goals in a game. So um, who knows? Maybe that this Villa game was all they needed to try and get their season in the right direction. But I just don't see it. I think we're going to be on top of our game and we're going to be much stronger, a much stronger side than them. Yeah, and after coming on the back of a really good performance against City, I think that's uh, um, hopefully we can maintain that coming into this one. Uh, uh, let's see who is next. Um, I think uh, J- Joe, did you want to jump in? Yeah, like like Lucas said, and you alluded to with your stats, Anthony, like the fact that Madison is the top goal scorer from midfield. I mean, he's a good player. We all know Madison's been a good player for many years but they don't now that Vardy's finally got old he seemed to be ageless didn't he Vardy he just keeps playing but I think he's finally kind of the realities hit him and he's 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 a bit past his uh his best now he doesn't seem to score many goals these days not trying to tempt fate by by saying that but Vardy without his goals they seem to be a far inferior team than what we've seen in years gone by and um I think as Lucas said if we can keep Madison quiet then that that should be the key to the game um i think if we we were able to keep him under wraps i really fancy us to to win this one yeah i i think that is the key to the match i mean vardy is still contributing with some assists he ha- does have four which is the same as madison has in the mid the, the midfield so um so it's not like he's not contributing at all but yeah he's just not the the goal scoring machine that he's been in the past um and without him they kind of lack anything there um, not many other threats other than Barnes and Thielmans uh, uh, um, that we have to kind of like uh, worry about what they're doing and perform how their performance is going. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I think the key to the match is that Brendan Rodgers doesn't get fired before the weekend because we definitely still want that guy in charge. They're only three points out of relegation. Um, you know, they're in bad shape. Um so we need to, we need, yeah, we might be the final nail in Rogers's coffin as far as that goes. And we don't need a Dyke uh, Everton bounce um, to come up against this weekend. I think as long as everything stays as it is, we should, uh, you know, have a have a pretty good. It's always a crazy game with Leicester, but I would think we'll come out on top. Well, in that game, we'll probably have uh, Davison Sanchez in the back who. Um, we know he could either be like uh, like the man of the match, or he could be like the the bonehead player of the match. Uh, so, so we never know what we're gonna get there. But um, we should probably will see him there, unless uh, we do something weird like uh, like uh, move Emerson Royal over into that role, which I, I don't think he's unsuited for. Uh, but um, but I don't think uh, we make that switch at this point in the season. So yeah, um, I I agree with you. I think we're gonna um, uh, we should be able to handle this, but uh, Spurs have proved me wrong in the past uh, this season. So let's just hope for the best that we continue. Let's go to predictions on this. Uh, let's start with um, Lucas first. Uh, I'm gonna say we went three one, and I'll say goals for two for Kane and one for Sonny. I like it. Um, uh, Joe, what do you have? 
Yeah, we've not really talked about Son, but he looked kind of more like his old self, didn't he, against City? I think that's the best he's played in a in a long time. Good to see. Um, it seems to have a lot of... We, we seem to have a lot of one nils lately with Kane scoring the goal. I'm thinking of the Fulham game, the City game, obviously, and even the FA Cup game where <laughs> we couldn't even uh, beat lower league team with uh, without Kane scoring um, against Portsmouth. But... I'm going to go for the same again. I think we'll win this game 1-0 and Harry will score another goal. Take him up to 2-6-8. No, good. Good prediction there. I like that. Um, Jeff, what do you got? Um, I'm going to agree with Lucas on the 3-1. I'm going to say Kane, Son, and uh, Benton Kerr. I like it. I like it very much. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go uh, high on this one because um, I think Leicester was our last truly high scoring game, wasn't it? Um, well, uh, what was the Sun hat trick, right? Yeah, Sun hat trick. So um, I'm going to say 4-1. Um, I don't think we keep them off the board entirely, especially without um, Cuddy. But um but I do think that we score a lot, and I think we're going to get two from Kane. I think Sun's going to get back on the board with this one with his improved performance. And I think we're going to get our fourth one from um, Benton Core this time. I think uh, he'll be the one that's moving forward, and um, and maybe he gets like a deflection when he's moving into the box off of like a, like a Kane missed shot or uh, something that bounces off the, the board or the woodwork. Um uh, yeah, yeah, I could see him getting one in this one. Um, any other any thoughts on Lester before we move it along? Okay, so let's move it along. So on Tuesday, uh, we have three days rest. Um, uh, we move back into Champions League play. Uh, so we've had quite a break from Champions League play since before the World Cup. Um, so we have to go back to the kind of the way back machine uh, to to when we were playing in this competition. Not doing particularly great, but doing enough to to advance. Um, and uh, when we drew AC Milan, it was like it could have been better, could have been worse. I think is what most of us were feeling at the time. Uh, but but kind of where they're at right now, maybe this is a good time to catch them. So uh, so currently they're sitting in sixth place in Serie A with 38 points. That's 11 wins, five draws, and five losses. Um, they are on a. a a losing streak. They they are going to play uh, Torino at home on Friday uh, prior to this match, so they have um, an extra day's rest th- than we do. Um, uh, whether that's significant or not, um, they did lose to Inter um, on Sunday, um, so uh, a, a big uh, derby rivalry for them. Um, and they've lost their their four previous matches as well. So they've lost the last five uh, matches that they played, um, not against the best side, but they did lose to enter in the super cup as well. Pretty bad uh, going back to the fourth one there. So they're not looking great. Um, their, t- their top goal scorer is uh, it, you might know how this is pronounced, Joe. Uh, is it, is it uh, Leo? Yeah. Leo. Uh, Leo. He has eight, and Drew is, uh, we all know Drew very well, has six behind him. Uh, you go right down the stats, it's those two guys that they're that you're looking at. Um, uh, 
and we do we have played them four times um, in past competitions, but not since 2011. But we have not lost to them. We've won or drawn every time that we faced uh, AC Milan. How are you guys feeling on this match? Uh, Joe? Yeah, well, you you covered it pretty well there, Anthony. They're playing really badly. I'm, I've been following quite a bit of Serie A this season where um, Napoli, uh, the surprise package, like doing great. They're running away with the, the league at the moment. Um, yeah, AC got smashed by, you mentioned it, Inter in the Super Cup final, 3-0. And Inter also beat them 1-0 um, this weekend. But they also lost at home 5-2 to Sissolo. Sissolo. I hope I'm saying that right. They're, they're shit. <laughs> they're one of the worst teams in the league. So I don't know what's happened at Milan. They were looking pretty good at the start of the season, but they've fallen off a cliff um, form-wise. I mean, they do have some good players. Like this Leal that you mentioned, Anthony, is is great, actually. He, uh, Portugal international, super fast, aggressive, plays on the wing. He's a very good player. Definitely need to keep an eye on him. And Giroud, I mean, this guy, he just keeps scoring goals. You know, he's he's been very solid for them, even though you think he's way past his best. So they've got some, you know, dangerous players, but they're just way out of form. Um, so <laughs> you've got to think that's a plus for us. They're going to be low on confidence uh, compared to if we'd played them, say, two, three, four months ago. Yeah, well, and this is we are traveling to them. That 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 is the one uh, bonus that they have here. At least Italy's not super far uh, that we have to travel. Um, uh, Lucas, you look like you're ready to go. Uh, what, how are you feeling on this one? Well, usually when whenever you're in like one of these uh, when in these knockout ties and you have the the home and away legs, it's if you get that like you said, we have the second legs going to be at home. So I usually I usually think just any any result that you can get on that first leg is a positive result. So if we can get away with just a even a draw um, away and then take care of business at home, that, that would be fine. But I, I think because that's the way I usually think when we enter these ties, but the fact that they are so out of form and they have all of these injuries that they're dealing with right now, we have a really, really golden opportunity here to go get on the front foot and get a win away. And if we're able to do that, I mean, that would just be – even a one nil, if we can just take care of business and get get the get off onto the right front foot, that would be that'd be massive because it it only gets tougher as you go on in this competition. So if we could just get that first one under our belts, I think that would be massive for us. It, it would be great for our chances of advancing, and mm-hmm. as far as we can go in this tournament, it's just it's all good financially for the club and the growth of the club. So go as deep as you can. Uh, Jeff? Yeah, I think you guys have covered it pretty well. <clears throat> you know, Milan's playing poorly and we're catching them at the right time. And um, I would think that we stand an excellent chance of advancing further in the tournament after this this tie. Yeah, and we certainly don't want to get our first loss against them ever uh, this this year when they're playing so bad. So... Uh, maybe that puts a little bit of pressure on us, but I, I, I have to think that we're going to be coming into this one pre- pretty confident. Um, and now that we have a little bit of more talent, we can probably rotate a little bit um, uh, be- between our two acquisitions. Um, uh, and 
uh, one of them has been pretty good in actually they both been pretty good in the Champions League. So, um, so maybe this is a, a good chance to really give a good run out to the, those two guys. Um, any other thoughts on this before we go to predictions, uh, Joe? Yeah, real, real quick. Like, I wonder what he's going to do with midfield, right? Because I think we can rotate some positions, like wing back. You know, even some of the defense, maybe you can bring in Ben Davis or something for you know Longley, whatever. But in midfield, we can't expect Hoybier and Bentinker to be going if we're going to be playing twice a week now every game like we've got to start um you know and th- that's going to be interesting to see where what the management prioritizes to see you know premier league are we just going to play our strongest team or are we going to rest players are we going to gamble and rest players against milan i don't know like it's a it'll be interesting to see the team selection because i hope we're just not going to flog hybier and benson kerr into the ground because that's not going to work out well if that's the case yeah and it's not like we're terribly weak in our backup midfielders i mean um i know we we've been kind of dissatisfied with basuma at this point but he's um he is a talented player um that at some point i think he's going to start to get Conte system and we should be able and i think we've seen slightly better performances out of him recently so maybe this is a good opportunity for him Um, um oliver skip i mean um the guy can do a job. Uh, maybe I, we, we don't see him start in this, but at least uh, maybe he comes on as a sub and and gives like a half a match rest to one of those guys. Um, I think that we could see that, especially if we go up a goal or two. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it gets coached um, and, and uh, how we start to manage players now as we're, we're getting back into the congestion in the season because we, we've been kind of one match a week since uh, we've returned for the most part. Um, since that first holiday week. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely interesting point, Joe. Um, let's go to predictions, and uh, we'll go back around to Lucas. All right. Well, I think I think it's going to be – I'm going to say 1-1, one, one, and I'll say – I'll say – I just – I can't stop thinking that Giroud's going to just pop up and get a goal just to ruin our day, but um, – yeah, I'll say 1-1. One, one. I think we'll go there and get the draw, and I'll say Kane scores. Yeah, that's a good prediction. Um, I, I could see it happening. I certainly want the victory, but um, but I wouldn't even be that disappointed with one way, 1-1 one, one uh, on the road here. Uh, Jeff? Um, I'm going to say 2-0. I'm going to go with Kane and Decky. I was kind of wondering if it'll be an all-right-side thing and Poro, too. But I have a feeling Poro's going to start against Leicester, and you'll see Royale against Milan. And I don't expect Royale to score, so I'll stick with two, though. Okay. Yeah, good prediction there. Uh, Joe? Well, I know we beat Marseille away on that very last game, if you remember, when Hoybier scored that good finish um, in the last couple of minutes. But our away record in Europe's pretty terrible in the last five years or so. I don't think we've really beaten anyone who's any good away. Um, so I was kind of thinking, same as Lucas, I'd be pretty happy with a draw. I do think we'll go through overall. I think we'll probably win by maybe even a couple goals at home. But I think it might be tough away. Um, 
Yeah, I'm also going to say 1-1, one, one, but I'm going to say uh, Son scores a goal. Okay, yeah, that, that seems like a a reasonable prediction. And I was thinking 1-1, one, one, but I think I'm going to go higher and say 2-2. Two, two. I do think it's going to be a draw, uh, but maybe a, um, we, a little bit higher score than we think, especially given their, uh, their, their losing ways right now. Um, but yeah, I could... I was thinking the same thing as Lucas, like Giroux stepping up and in in dicking us because he's good at it. Um, like so, I could definitely see him getting one of them. Um, I it's tough to predict anybody, but Harry Kane giving us one of the goals. Um, and then I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that we get like a Basuma goal here. Um, I just like have a feeling that we'll see a little bit of rotation in this one. Um, and uh, maybe he scores a goal in this one. So, yeah, Kane and Basuma are my two goal scorers here. Um, any final thoughts uh, on the week that was? Like, kind of a lot of topics that we covered here today. Um, anybody want to wrap it up in the, into a neat bow for us? Real quick, Kane, I mean, you've got to, he's got to be the headline of the week for us, but hopefully for his new contract, this having broke the record, now he's going to go for the Premier League record. He's not going to go to another Premier League club, you'll hope, because he's not going to go to Chelsea, Arsenal, maybe outside chance of the Manchester teams, but I don't think... I think it's... Uh, I feel better about Kane staying, you know, beyond this season now. I just kind of reading his body language and things. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. So, good, good vibes with Kane, and uh, hopefully that spurs the rest of the team pardon the pun, on for the remaining games. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Like, I could see this taking, like, a huge monkey off of his back, and uh, maybe we start to see those, like, cane braces and maybe even a hat trick before the end of the season, too. Like, start to really see him come out, and uh, now that he's past that marker, uh, just start to to grow again, probably until he gets close to the overall record, and then it'll it'll start to slow down and nerves will pop up again. But uh, that's a couple seasons away. Um, um, anybody else want want to wrap things up? No, I think Kane is the headline. So thank you for ending ending it there. Uh, we started there, we ended there. Um, it's it just feels so good to be able to say that we've lived through watching a player like this play. Um, and not many people get to say that they lived through uh, this type of magnificent talent, despite the fact that the rest of the league doesn't seem to appreciate uh, how special he is. Um, we get to see it in week out, week in, week out, and just, just what he can accomplish. Um, I'm so happy for him that he's gotten uh, the record. I know the the Griefs family is 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 happy for him, um, and, and did that. And and I, and I don't think we talked about it, but the the, the phone call in the locker room uh, afterwards was quite a quite a moment as well. Um, it really um, it really makes you feel good to be a Spurs fan, and I think we can kind of carry that into the next week. Um, and so I did th- all that, by the way, as a one-season wonder, which is really impressive. Yeah, <laughs> you get all those goals yeah. in one season. Yep, yep. He's a one-season wonder. Um, 
But I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So thank you so much to Joe, Jeff, and Lucas for being on today. Uh, thanks to Tommy for editing, uh, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, The Atlantic. Uh, come on out and watch Lester with us there. Uh, come on out and watch the Champions League with us there. Uh, find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and hit the subscribe button. I'm going to get these words out. And write us a review on those platforms if you uh, want to, or tell us we're good or bad. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs, and our website at 4 Come on, you Spurs.